This episode of the Anti-Heroes Podcast with Zach Blair is presented by Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest's best source for premium new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle and Portland shops, you'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I personally always make a stop at Thunder Road Guitars in Seattle. Uh, they're a great bunch of guys, and it's just not a complete Seattle trip unless I go and say hi and see what uh, wonderful stuff they have. These are real people offering real service, folks. Uh, use code ANTIHEROES10 to get 10% off at www.thunderroadguitars.com and tell them I sent you. Hey guys, this is Zach from the Anti-Heroes Podcast, and I want to welcome our newest sponsor to the show, DistroKid. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. Can you believe that? Anti-Heroes listeners get 30% off at distrokid.com slash VIP slash anti-heroes. Again, that's distrokid.com slash VIP slash anti-heroes. Thank you so much and support all the folks at DistroKid because they're they're doing amazing work and we couldn't be happier to have them on board. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors over at Jim Dunlop and MXR Pedals. We couldn't be luckier to have these guys on board with us. I personally use these products and you should too. Find out more about them at jimdunlop.com. Let's get on to the podcast. everyone and welcome to the anti-heroes podcast with your host zach blair i am zach blair and we're doing this one more time and i hope we do it one more time for all eternity even though that doesn't make sense uh, so today uh we have yvette young and i think we made friends we you know there's there's a few times on this uh, podcast where we sort of bond on other things and connect with other th situations. Uh, we already have the guitar thing, we already have the musician thing, but then some connections happen in other places and the talk transcends just music and guitar. And I didn't even talk to Yvette about her wonderful two-hand tapping technique. Maybe, you know, YouTube her or, or and study her playing. She's got her own corner, you know? She's got her own voice, she's got her own style. Everything she does is just done to her. And she's just astounding at the sort of two-handed, almost piano approach to playing guitar. We talk about life and we sort of bonded on something that I haven't really ever talked about. A personal issue that I don't know why I felt compelled to sort of tell Yvette that I understood. And uh, you'll, you'll hear it when we get there. And, you know, maybe in the future I'll open up and talk a little bit more about it. But this interview was really important. It was really special to me. And, and I didn't expect it to be. I just expected it to be another, you know, interview with a guitar player I liked, which is what this podcast is. And we sort of had this deeper conversation than that. So anyway, check out my interview with Yvette Young.
Hi, Yvette. Hi. Nice Hi. to meet you, Zach. Nice to meet you as well, even though it's not IRL. But that's the thing, and I talk about this all the time. Because we do this thing, you feel like you know somebody. Yeah. Just because of, of, of the shared experience of how hard this goddamn thing is, we all do. It is hard. Yeah, it is hard. It, it's it's cool because like I guess we're all so connected now. Yeah, like exactly. I, I feel like all of us are just like one person removed from like knowing each other. <laughs> You're absolutely right, and because you can talk and sort of there's a shorthand. You know what I mean? Like it feels like there's a shorthand in the way you talk and your conversationally, but it also feels like you could get in a room and play with this person and go, no, that part's going to go four times, and you know what that person's saying. <laughs> you know, yeah. what I, mean? I love that. I love that. Uh, how did you get started playing guitar? Oh, man, I'll give you an abridged version. Um, I grew up super classical, so I was playing classical piano since I was four. And then I played in two orchestras on violin. Um, I learned when I was seven, but orchestra life for me was more like middle school, high school. I was doing it mostly for extracurriculars to apply to college um, and it was a thing that like my parents definitely dreamed for me because they're from like the classical world and they were like really drilling the whole like classical pianist performing concerts and, and things like that lifestyle on me. Uh, and there were parts of it that I enjoyed, but for me, it was like a lot of pressure and combined with like a somewhat troubled home life and everything. Long story short, I got sick with an eating disorder and I got hospitalized for it. I'd been struggling with it for like four years, something like that. And while I was in the hospital, I was required to like stop everything because they wanted to just let me recover and not worry about school and extracurriculars and things like that. And it was in the hospital where I was like, I kind of want to learn guitar. So I had this like Martin acoustic. My parents gifted it to me for a birthday and I had it with me there and I just started teaching myself how to write songs. Uh, I learned a bunch of riffs. Uh, I learned like Radiohead and like Creed funnily enough um honestly sick riffs <laughs> no they um, are they are good riffs yeah, yeah good like riffs really good, riff. really good like puddle of mud um <laughs> like yeah. back in the day and i just started writing my own music and i feel like teaching myself guitar was probably 90 percent of the reason why i recovered because it took my fixation with my external appearance I won't get into detail about like what causes anorexia. It's like kind of complicated. It's a control thing at the end of the day. It's well, like let an- me, we share that. I've never really talked about, but I really, I'm, I'm right along with you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. right so along with you. Yeah. You feel me. It's like a control thing. Do. It's like an addictive mindset. It is an addiction at the end of the day, but I like channeled all of that into guitar and that became my primary outlet for getting out my emotions, that in painting and drawing. And yeah, I just taught myself and it restored my relationship with myself, made me feel like I had agency and I had like a voice because I wasn't the most outspoken. I've always been kind of more like shy um, and non-assertive. But yeah, then I just started writing music for fun and just fast forward. I went to UCLA. I, I studied fine arts and visual performing arts education with the intention of just becoming a full-time art teacher. But but life had other plans for me. And (laughs) here I am just like giving up a stable job to do this. (laughs) Well, that's, I mean, Hey, that's the most noble thing I could think of. I mean, I, I definitely did the same thing. Uh, You also do, and that, that reminds me, I, I did a little research. You also do the artwork for your album covers, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I get to use my art degree. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Amazing. Thanks. That's amazing. <laughs> it means a lot. Yeah, your new album cover is so cool. Dude, I mean, thank they're all you. they're all so cool. <laughs> your band is so cool and and it's so different, so fresh and so interesting. And it's so hard to do anything new, you know? It's so hard to do to take from different resources and and different bands and like we were talking before we got on with Joseph Plummer, uh, your podcast here. I, I heard some of my influences that you talked about that I thought I heard. I was Hell like, yeah. I, think, <laughs> I think she's into post-hardcore. And, uh, and, 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 but to really make it on your own and to have such an interesting, uh, specific voice on the guitar. And that was something I noticed right off. Also, even your guitar choice and you got rewarded with that with your own Ibanez signature model. And it was like the tall man, isn't that the Ibanez tall man? That's what it is. Uh-huh. And I hadn't seen those in a long time. And I thought those were such cool looking guitars. And now you have your own signature model. Did you play that before you got involved with them? Honestly, I didn't. I had a, I'm looking at it right now. I have this SX Tele um, that I traded my friend Ethan Dillard. Um, he lived in Louisiana and we met on a music forum. I didn't have money. I just had a drum machine and he was like, can we trade the drum machine for a guitar? I'm like, yeah. So that was my first electric. Um, and I played that for a long time. And then Ibanez approached me and was like, do you want to try this Talman out? I, I, I was kind of averse to Ibanez at first because I associated with like metal, you know, like kind sure. of like shred guitars. And I was like, I don't know if I'm like a pointy guitar gal. Um, you know, I'm kind of like <laughs> right. round, and they're like, yeah, we got a round guitar person. We got yeah, something yeah. round and offset for you. I'm like, mm-hmm. cool. And then I loved it. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool looking guitar, and it's also discernible, like because they have single coil pickups. And sometimes, I mean, you guys aren't a metal band, but you you are heavy. You know, there are heavy things. Do you find that like the single coil thing voices what you're doing a little bit better than say a humbucker or another pickup choice? Yeah, I, I haven't clocked in. Okay, well, I did clock in some time with humbuckers back in EMG days, and I wasn't like a super fan, just a little bit too compressed. Um, it just to me feels like I need like dynamics i need to be able to articulate when i dig in and have it like i work with tube amps and stuff so i just like want to be able to push my tubes to break up if i just dig in a little more especially because i'm exploring like a ton of gain and a ton of like overdrive and um just different preamps and stuff on my board so i love anything dynamic where i can hold back and have it be sparkly clean and then push it and single coil just does that for me (laughs) how long has that been with your your collaboration with ibanez Oh, shoot. I have two signatures now. We're working on a third one, a nice, yeah, prestige version of what I have. So one for the, congratulations, one for the serious guitar aficionados. (laughs) But uh, yeah, Yeah. I think it's been probably like three years now, something like that. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. And it's good for them. I mean, they're, I think it's whoever approached you was doing their homework and realizing that like, oh, this person could be the future of of rock guitar and you're right Ibanez have kind of pigeonholed themselves in the past as like a metal guitar company but for reaching out to people like yourself or Tosin Abasi or you know they do seem like they're trying to do the work they keeping their ear a little to the ground and going okay this person is going to have a lengthy career and they're doing something interesting on the guitar why don't we work with them totally. instead of this guy sweeping arpeggios and you know like, totally. Yeah. And I think their roster does a really good job of making me feel really welcome. Like Steve's on the roster. They're like, he's like the main guy, Steve Vai. Um, oh, yeah. And then Nita Strauss. She was the first female signature oh, artist. Yeah. yeah. And so she, they both like are super supportive. And I feel like that's the way to do it. Like it doesn't have to be this like competition. Like 
there's room for everyone. And I feel like the key to keeping guitar alive is to just keep on passing the torch to people you think are dope. And um, I agree. I hope one day I get to be in a position to do that. Um, and yeah, I was going to say, I like being the weirdo oddball on the roster because I feel like in terms of promo and the way I want to roll out these new signatures and even the choices I make on the signatures, I always kind of just want to do like a really off the cuff thing just to not try to blend in with everyone else. Cause then like, there's so many guitars already that do this like one thing, but the way I'm thinking is Ivan is can totally grow their brand to not just be like, like a metal shred thing. Like it can appeal to all kinds of people, all kinds of younger people of all genders and backgrounds and everything. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just exciting to be able to do something like different. <laughs> it's super because you know, they've had some, like, I remember in the late seventies, they had the artist models, like those, they were almost Gibson-y, they were double cutaway and they were, oh, you yeah. know, I mean, and I like a lot of the post-punk guys, I remember XTC, I, you know, a lot of people, Andy Gill from Gang of Four, was using those and they were really cool and then they just you're right they really went metal and now they seem like they're reining it in uh, ernie ball's really doing interesting things as well mm-hmm. totally you know, it's a really interesting time for gear right now you know i've been talked into the amp profilers and stuff and at first i was such a luddite you know i wanted to throw stones at it and they'll go oh, it's bullshit but i mean <sighs> When you're flying out to a festival and it's yes. it's all in this thing and it sounds great and in your ears and you can't tell the you know yeah I, I I started not being able to argue against it I guess yeah are you are you there or are you all tubes technology is insane I feel like maybe everyone had an argument a couple of years ago but um, yeah. I you know I have a HX stomp and a Helix that I think is really dope. Um, mm-hmm. I'm about to do this thing where I go to New York and play with an orchestra and in, in my head, I was like, oh, I could bring the Helix, but I've been dialing all my tones on my pedal board and I just like yeah. love pedals. There's something so cool about seeing like, to me, it looks like a palette of colors, you know, it is quite yeah. literally a palette of colors. It's so beautiful. And like, it's fun to just, I think I know it like the back of my hand. Like if I were to be blindfolded, I could like, you know, still tweak things so i'm just so used to it i i plan on flying out with the pedal board however i have been seduced by the ampless life especially because i play an ac30 and i love vox love vox so much but it's like tubes are so fickle and like unreliable and like it is they begin to sound a little weird at the end of tour you know so they do yeah and then when you go into like the Kemper profile of the Vox AC30, it sounds exactly like it. Damn it. I want a Kemper. <laughs> I know. And I'll tell you something. The the neural DSP, the quad cortex. Yeah. So it's like, it's a floor unit and it has eight switches program. You know, it's got every amp in the world already in there. Of course, it has a Vox AC30. Yeah. It's like what, as soon as I got a Kemper, like I went to Kemper, everybody started using these things and it makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. They're more compact. And you have eight switches and you can do any pedal to each one of the switches, but then you can change that pedal board to another, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? So you have eight switches, but then you can bank those up. So they all change. Yeah. I'm really, I have like a small pedal board and, and it has, it really has every amp in there already. I don't know, man. It's, I, it's crazy. Cause it's like, I totally see the 
the appeal. I did have one weird experience on this last tour where I was really grateful that I had an amp on stage, like a couple of nights, you know, um, sometimes my in-ears will completely cut out or something bad will happen or sometimes monitoring will just be an absolute mess. Like if you're depending on wedges, cause I assume like, I guess if you have like a Kemper or like an HX Stomp or Helix or whatever, you usually have like a cab on stage, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You usually, I mean, we, we're kind of going, we've gone cabless. Dude. Okay. You know? That freaks me out. Cause like the thing that happened to me on tour where monitoring was like dog shit, you know, like terrible. Yeah. And yeah, I just stood by my amp to be able to hear. Yeah. And like, there is like a tech issue or something, but that amp on stage saved my life. Cause at the end of the yeah. day, I can just go by it and be like, see, and I haven't really even thought about that. We will do cabless and then we'll do cabs. We'll go kind of back and forth, you know, mm-hmm. but we did like one tour with a big lighting package. So we just didn't do cabs Yeah, and we were on the Kempers and it was fine. But we even before we did the Kempers, we had our like marshals and shit on the others on the side, but no cabs on stage, just no cabs. Cause we were, going direct in you know it just went through the years yeah uh but i never really thought about that like if it just goes i mean that's just ignorance on my part like what if this goes down you oh know no I mean? it's not ignorance it's just like you haven't had a reason yeah. to distrust technology and i've had I like mean, every reason in the world <laughs> that's to, to distrust it so no it, knock on wood i hope you never have to no to deal with that but yeah i i see the appeal of both and god yeah. i just got an amp over there that i like love a lot and i would just like but you can profile it probably so you know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and that's the thing you can profile like the stuff everybody kind of profiles their favorite amp but yeah once i started messing with it i was like for me personally i was kind of like every profile that's already in there that it comes preloaded with like every marshall every mesa every whatever every vox every orange yeah it already sounds so good Damn. like why am i gonna go to a studio and capture this one specific amp i do have a hot rotted old marshall jmp that i've used forever yeah but I went to the 800 profile on the Kemper. I dialed in a little more gain and it was kind of like, eh, it sounds great. You know? Yeah. Damn. I'll have to pick your brain about yeah. the quad cortex. Cause I think the quad they- cortex is badass. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's a small floor unit and, and here's the thing. So you have to have like, you know, there's like the power amps that are in a pedal form, yeah. essentially Seymour Duncan make one. I think Electro Harmonix make one. You kind of have to add that, but my idea is just to make a pedal board, the quad cortex, maybe a crybaby because it doesn't have one on there, and then the power amp, and then you're done. That's it. If you wanted to take a cabinet on stage or a two twelve or whatever, cool. Be it you know because you're already you can power it, but otherwise that's your pedal board. That's fucking everything. I think I would still want to have a pedal board because I actually went into I went in with my Helix. Um, and we were basically we had a day where it's like everything you do on your pedal board, we're going to find a way to do on the helix. And there were a few things that Couldn't we do. just could not replicate. Like I do a lot of like sound effects and like, like, OK, the one I can think of right at the top of my head, DD3 stutter. Oh, like yeah. the, uh, that thing is we, you can't really get it on the helix. No shit. Um, we tried. It, it sounded really not accurate but it was like its own thing you know but it wasn't the thing that i needed um there's some like pitch divey kind of stuff on there i have a digitech freakout that i love that makes like the same feedback and pitches it and like we couldn't really get the helix to do that either so i spent hours with the dd3 yeah. the other day just getting that van halen perfect one like da-uh, da-uh, you know yeah. just the one note 
because you know he he would do all those like runs that would repeat it perfectly. Yeah, you know? I was just sitting around here and I looked up and it'd been like three hours. Like, oh shit, you know, yeah. I got shit to do. It's addictive. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, addictive. I would still probably travel with my board, but I would love to not carry around a huge amp because those things just crap out. Well, I tell you, I we just did South America and I did it with a Kemper, but with an analog pedal board, just my regular pedal board with like cool. you know my MXR shit, my whatever. I just a lot of people will Kemper their effects and they'll do all that. I. I think I'm with you. Like, I think I'll probably always still do the analog pedal board because it's so fun to fuck with, you know? Like, what if I don't want to use this? I'll take it off. Totally. And I like dancing a little bit. Like, it kind of looks... Totally. It's like part of the, the show for me is to like, this is how you manually get this sound. Like, there's no smoke and mirrors. I'm literally tapping in all my delays. So Totally. <sighs> and I like that. I like that... You know, a lot of people will like cover their effects or whatever. They don't want people knowing what they're doing or whatever. It's like, I'm not precious about that yeah. shit. I think it's interesting. I you know, check it the out. The key to getting, like, I don't know, the key to helping a scene thrive and to keep guitar alive is to not make it this you can't sit with us mysterious thing. It's like, I'm trying to show everyone it's like, you can do this shit at home. I'm not like, totally. I want people to be excited about what they hear, see me doing it and be like, oh, I want to try that and then go home and try it. I think that's what's great about your band and what's great about you as a player too, because I think that is palpable. I think that is evident with you um, that just watching videos or watching any of your, you know, and you're listening to your interviews and all that stuff, you seem very personable and you seem like you want to introduce people to guitar playing. And that's why I wanted to interview you on this. Cause like, Oh, this is the future of guitar playing right here. You know, that you're doing very innovative, cool, interesting stuff. You have such a specific voice already, which is, really in my opinion the ultimate mark of a true interesting musician to have your own voice to listen to a thousand guitar players and go oh that's a bit young you know what i mean Thanks. if you play the same phrase as vi or me or whoever else it's going to be like oh that's that's her i think that's the most interesting thing you could do as a musician Thank you. That's such oh. a high compliment. I appreciate absolutely. that. Absolutely. Well, thank you for doing it. Um who are your people? Who are like your biggest guitar influences? I, I, you know, I didn't grow up listening to guitarists. Mm -hmm. Like I listened to bands growing up. So I think that's probably why your stuff is so cool. Uh, thanks. Yeah. I like, yeah, yeah. I feel like I never thought of myself as like, I am a solo guitar player. I'm more like, I like to write riffs and I think it's so fun to hear them in the context of a band and to try sure. to like tell stories with the sounds that you're making. And like, I almost like everything I write, I'm kind of thinking of like a movie soundtrack or something that I'm trying wow. to, to write, like, you know, guitar based, but yeah. Sure. Um, influences. I, I grew up listening to a lot of like emo stuff, like mineral and braid. And like, um, then I got into Don Caballero and then that I, was one I was going to talk to you about. That is, oh, yeah. that is so cool. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was, I was in Guar for a long time and our, Guar, no way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was a kid, but uh, the drummer for Guar was obsessed with Don Cab and got me into that. And that was like in the 90s and like the late 90s. And I oh got what a great band. And then Trans Am and, and all that stuff as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Trans Am is a big one. Yeah. Um, uh, did you ever listen to Farquet? No. Oh, I loved Farquette. Like, so I started with like bands like Minus the Bear and American Football. And then I kind of did the research. I was like, what bands maybe yeah. led to here? And then I was like, okay, Don Cavallaro, um, Farquette, stuff like that. And then I jumped forward and then there's like a whole like kind of twinkle Midwest emo math rock scene, like bands like Pen Pal, um, TTNG, yeah. what else? Enemies from Ireland. I was like really into like the UK 
kind of math rock, indie math pop scene. And I also loved post-rock at the time. A lot of uh, This Will Destroy You and Caspian and Mogwai Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, I think that post-rock really appealed to me because it really made sense given my classical background. I feel like the development of it and the way that it's like dynamically structured is very similar to how some classical music unfolds, um, in particular romantic era classical music yeah i could see that i could see that you know it's funny i also heard that in like Deerhoof, and then realized that drummer has a master's in classical composition wow and so that's why it was so so complex you know and it's so i love anything i'm an emotional person you know i wear my heart on my sleeve i love anything that makes you feel so i think for me a requirement in music i listen to is it has to have like some kind of emotion in it and i tend to go for something that's more raw like some of my favorite guitar solos aren't the nice polished perfect ones but it's like the jangly like out of time it just has character and it's so human and i love that yeah, I, I understand that for sure. I love Pine Grove. That's a, that's a band, a current band yeah. that I'm like super into. <laughs> As you're saying, these influences is making a lot of sense from listening to your own stuff. Was there a, a specific choice to go instrumental, you know, for the most part? Yeah, um, I am not a, a particularly extroverted person and I always had sure. stage fright. And when I started the band, <laughs> I was thinking about a lot of things, especially when I started posting videos online and stuff like Number one, I didn't want to have the dialogue around my band be that I'm a girl. I don't think it should matter. Uh, It's cool because representation matters. I think like it's great to just have women, non-binary people out there like just leading the charge. Um, But I didn't want it to just be like, look at me. I'm like the front woman of this band. I kind of want it so that if you close your eyes and you don't Google what we look like, you can't even tell. Um, it doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter. You don't even know there's a girl there. Uh, it's just about music. I think I always want to just keep it about music. It's so hard in music to just keep it about music. But. It's true, though. You know, you're, you're absolutely right because yeah. as soon as you open your mouth, yeah. it's political. Yeah. It's, it, and in some, in some way, it's political. It's like, oh, that is a female singer. Yeah. Or like and my so identity. Like, well, like people become – like what we were talking about before this podcast, people become obsessed with right. who you are and it's like it doesn't who cares like just listen to the song oh my god right like your makeup of <laughs> your your past your everything yeah what makes you you shouldn't yeah. matter yeah right. but people want to know and i get it because you know curiosity is a natural thing um mm-hmm. the second thing was that i just like i'm really shy and the idea of singing into a mic in front of people at the time freaked me out <laughs> but i've gotten <laughs> a good that. answer that's a good answer <laughs> you know and, and it makes sense too because like don cab or trans am or whatever you know we're all instrumental bands mm-hmm. as well and you know what's funny is with those bands when it's done right personally i never missed the vocals mm-hmm. i never missed the lyrics i never missed you know because it was you're like you were saying it it does do something for you emotionally it mm-hmm. does do it, it does have an impact and you it does take you on your own journey sometimes lyrics can take you out of that totally. lyrics are telling you what this song is about when otherwise you could have your own experience i love that you said that because i always say i sometimes teach a camp where i just try to get people to access emotions and convey emotion through just writing a riff and using pedals and stuff like i'm just trying to challenge people to not depend so hev- heavily on lyrics and yeah i'm with you sometimes lyrics can take me out sometimes i feel like oh a weird voice can also take me out i'm like Ooh. Yes. <laughs> like yes. yeah um, and then i feel like instrumental music is 
the most empathetic kind of music because sure. it's not telling you how to feel. It's instead listening to you and whatever you have that you want to get out inside, like the music will kind of just bring out and then you get to talk to the music. I know this sounds insane, like I'm mental or something. No, but- <laughs> it's a great point. That's yeah. a great point. I mean, if you're a musical, like you and I are obviously obsessed with music and, and it's what we do and, and all that stuff. So if, if you live it, breathe it, eat it, sleep it, that makes sense. I've often said on this podcast, I don't do anything else. I don't have a hobby. This is my everything. And so it does speak to me on that visceral level, you know? Mm -hmm. And you're right. It can take you, just the slightest thing can take you out of it. It can take it away from you. Yeah. Say somebody with an odd voice, the music will start. I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. That riffs is awesome. My guitar tone's rad. And then the voice is, the (laughs) voice starts. And if you don't like that voice, man, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Or if the lyrics are like dumb or something. Or the lyrics are dumb. Exactly. And I'm not a lyricist. Yeah, it's hard. I'll write vocal melodies, but I don't write lyrics. But still, I'm like the armchair lyricist. Well, those fucking lyrics are stupid. You know what? what? Maybe I don't have lyrics because I'm playing it safe because I'm like, you know, I don't need to say anything like that. And now you don't. Guess what? Now you don't have to. You don't yeah. have to. Yeah. You've already, you're doing it. You're doing it. We, I know we don't have a whole lot of time because you, you have a hard out, but I do ask everybody, did you ever have one that got away, like a piece of gear, like something that got stolen or you had to hawk or you had to get rid of? Or... Huh, one that got away. If you have to think about it, you're lucky. I know. I know. Um, I had an acoustic guitar I really liked. It was just a, a simple it was like a court acoustic and I, I just, I liked it and I loaned it to a student. <laughs> yeah. It was a weird circumstance for um, the student, but yeah, I learned to student mm-hmm. and then they like overnight fled the country and took my guitar and I don't have it what? anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good story. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Oh <laughs> so I want my guitar back. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you're listening, yeah, you know, you know who you are. Yeah. I'm on wow. the search. I'm on the search for um, the the world's most perfect upright, like old upright piano. <laughs> I would oh. love to have like a a really creaky, gross upright piano with a lot of character. That's super ancient. <laughs> yeah. Well, shit. There's those ones in like the cities. You know what I mean? Like they'll mm-hmm. be like in the downtown city. You could just take one of those, cut the chain on it. I but, know. There's so many free yeah. pianos on Craigslist and just free. Whatever, just free because people don't want to deal with moving it. So. Um, yeah, but it's it's always I can't go because then I start to feel FOMO, you know, yeah. like. So wait, you play piano? Yeah, you are like a, a pianist. Yeah, piano is like my main instrument. I think I started on piano like when I was four. Piano was the thing. My parents were like, "You're gonna become a pianist." And wow, do you think you're better at piano than guitar? I'm very rusty on piano. I certainly feel more fluent, like, and I feel more comfortable maybe like jamming on. Sure. But you know what? I think I've clocked in so much time on guitar that the two are neck and neck right now. Like my piano wow. ability used to be like up here and guitar used to be down here. And now over time, it's like. Kind of goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So in, in your band, are those the guys? I mean, I know you've had some lineup changes. Is anyone like some since day one? Uh, no. Um, Nobody. Yeah, it was. It's hard. It's necessary. It was so necessary given the circumstances of what happened. Um, I think I made the best decision. Like I was gonna quit because I hated it. I like, I couldn't stand because of the wrong people. Yeah, it was just uh, something you started. Of yeah, I wrote. I write all the music. Like it's my thing. I started it. Uh, yeah. 
I was crying after every show just like because I didn't want to I felt like I was just performing you know not even obviously with my instrument but like on stage I was miserable (laughs) so I didn't want to I remember seeing front row of like a bunch of happy young girls being like we love your band and like we started a band because we wanted to be in a band with friends too and I was just like wow these people are not my friends. Like they yeah. have done stuff and it's like, I, yeah, wow. I just can't. So I'm so, glad. So now it's good. <laughs> now you're good. Yeah. Going back to why I got into guitar. It's like, it was just a damn shame that I felt at a point where the thing that saved my life that brought me out of anorexia it now became the thing that was making me like almost feel like I was going to fall into it again because of just the people, you know? Right. Um, right. And I was like, I need to keep this little spark I have for music burning. It's now just a, it's a mere spark. It's about to fizzle out because of not because I hate music because it's like, I'm in the, a toxic environment where in everything a toxic like, relationship. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. So I'm like, I got to do something drastic. And even though it's really scary and I've never really stood up for myself once in my life, I was like, I got to do something right now. So I, I did it. And now I feel like, oh my Congratulations. God, I can't Congratulations. wait. Congratulations. <laughs> That's inspiring because, you know, as aforementioned, we, we have a few things in common and I'm also a person that. I sort of compromise myself right out of situations and relationships yeah. uh, because I want everybody to be happy. Yeah. And I want everybody People to pleaser. like me. And mm-hmm. I want, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I want to be sure. If you, yeah. if you feel that strongly about it, let's do it that way. And you're right to get it so far gone that it is now ruining the thing that you, that is most important to you is awful, but that's amazing. And congratulations. It means a lot. Yeah. I, um, I knew it would stir up a shit storm and I knew that people would be misogynistic and terrible and come up with their narrative. But Hey, at the end of the day, you know, I know my truth and I know that I am like so excited about music again and, and absolutely. I made the right decision. So thank you. Well, it sounds like it with this. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I mean, and it sounds like it. The, so the new record is the new band. Um, so there's one song on it. That's my new drummer. Um, okay. I wrote the bass parts anyway, but like, I just retract them with, um, a friend, John Button, he killed it. And he, he also took liberties on parts too. Like we, I would send him suggestions and then he would come back with something way doper. I'm not a bass player. So, um, and the rest of the drums is my old drummer, but, um, I definitely plan on writing new stuff. Like I already have maybe like, 60% 60% of a new record written. Um, right. But I am changing focus to solo stuff after this album cycle. I feel like I, I haven't really done my own project for forever. I have a piano album that I have half written. And then I have like a whole album of solo music with lyrics. Oh, I'm singing now. I was about to ask. I was about to ask. Okay, if it's solo, <laughs> yeah. are you going to sing? Yeah, I, I'm trying to go a little more like accessible, you know, like I've done right. my like, like emotional dork rock. I, I say that endearingly. I love it. I'm, I'm a dork. Absolutely. You know, like. I'm so am I. I've yeah. Do, yeah, I've done that. And now I'm just trying to do something a little different. I've been listening to a lot of like electronic stuff and like dance beat stuff. And I just like want to combine guitar with that. So. Amazing. I'm sure whatever it is, it's going to be just great. <laughs> you have such you. a great ear and such a great attitude toward everything. I'm sure it's going to come out great. Do you think Covet will just be put on hold at that point? Or do you, what do you think? Um, I ha- do have new Covet music written. Um, I, I'm in no rush. 
one thing that I get annoyed at being in the industry is that like, I feel like everyone's, there's so many, like when you are your own artist writing in your bedroom and DIY in charge of your own release date and stuff, like there's not really any external pressure. Like your art's done when it's done. You're not really, unless you need to put out an album to make money right now, you know, you're not really tethered to any sort of deadline, but I feel like when everyone else gets involved, when you get tours booked before you even have a record delivered and all of that, there's just so much that can go wrong if you miss the deadline. So, and so many people depend on you for jobs and it's just a whole lot of pressure. Um, And I'm trying to, again, go back to basics and be like, I'm in no rush and I don't want to book any tours until I have all this music written the exact way that I want it. I'm not going to compromise. I feel like this last record, I made a lot of compromises because we booked recording time before I even finished the record and we booked a tour for that even before. It's like, why? You know, it doesn't make sense. Why should it be this way? So sometimes we got to learn by doing the wrong thing. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Some people think suffering leads to good art. I think that can be true, but also like you have to take time to nurture your, not to sound lame or whatever, but like your soul, you know? Um, And for me, all the coolest things happened when I took a break and had time to explore and treat it like I'm like a kid in a candy store, just like following what excites me. Like, do you remember how you felt when you like first started playing with effects and first started playing guitar? Like that excitement is what led to probably some of the coolest, most creative things. Cause you didn't, you weren't bogged down with like expectation, external perception, what people want your art to sound like versus what you're genuinely invested in. What people also don't realize is like the art you're putting out now, you may not even be invested in it because it's probably years old and you probably like, you have to tour on a record that's been incubating for like years. So people don't realize that. Yeah. And it's, it it can be kind of soul sapping. I can't imagine if I had lyrics singing about like, I don't know, just a a breakup or something that happened two years ago. I'd be like, can I like not sing about this anymore? Yeah, and that goes against my comfort zone. It, like, for instance, I went and saw The Cure just like oh, a week ago. So cool. And, <laughs> it was so cool. And it was so great. And they did what you would, what I guess, and, and maybe you too, would be no-nos. So they opened with a slower, brand new song, and it was long. And then the second song was another brand new song. The crowd didn't know. Unless they were real fans and had the record, which I didn't. And then a hit. Hell yeah. But then did not play all their hits. Still played for two and a half hours and played a lot of new stuff. I mean, Robert Smith did not give a shit that people didn't know this song. They were sitting down. He didn't give a shit. Badass. He wanted to play what he wanted to fucking I love play. That. It was great. And then came back at the encore, encored with a brand new song. You know, he didn't come out with Why Can't I Be You? He didn't come out with Love Cats. He came out with like a new song. You I know? love that. That's it. That's it right there. The thing is like when I said I don't want to be performing or whatever, like, yes, I'm literally performing music, but I also like I'm not going to be like a puppet just playing what everyone wants me to do. Like, I think the key to staying in love with what you do is following what excites you and almost in like a hedonistic way where it's like, yeah, I don't. I don't feel like playing any of the old stuff. I'm just going to play the new stuff that I'm interested in. And I feel like real fans are going to understand that. And they're going to want you to be excited about what you do because they want you to make more music. And it's palpable. It comes out. People can hear that. They're not dumb. You know what I mean? Yeah. If they, if they, if you're phoning it in, eventually it's going to come out. I used to start a song by saying, fuck this song. 
<laughs> it was like I wanted the gang vocal, like "fuck this song." <laughs> like, <laughs> it started to old hardcore song. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck all this. Yeah. So wait, that having been said, what is the next tour plans for you? Um, we have a Japan thing currently. We're also going to do a random off date with like protest the hero i think that show's gonna be so funny because we're gonna be like just like dancing mm. and happy <laughs> and then it's gonna be like really heavy yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah after that i'm just kind of taking some time off to write i think so is tour tour cycle for this record's kind of over like you've done it unless something insane comes up like mm-hmm. support i'm done headlining like i don't think we should ha- we headline like three times in the last year and a half like that's too much i think i feel yeah. like it's oversaturated like i'd get sick of me hell like sure. you know i don't want sure. i think people don't want to see yeah. that but um yeah unless a crazy support tour comes up i think i'm just gonna lay low well i won't keep you much longer uh but i will say thank you so much for taking the time yeah totally to do this yeah and uh Everybody, I guess you guys aren't touring, but you will be playing some random shows. So everybody should be looking out for those and looking for what you're doing very soon. Congratulations. I can't I'm wait to stoked. hear it. Yeah, um, should be. I guess uh, it, in terms of shows, in a week I'll be playing with the symphony in New York. So that's a cool Amazing. thing. Um, I said yes to it without any idea. Like I didn't know how I was going to do it. But I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then I like, I'm just trying to figure it out, but now it's actually coming to fruition. I'm, I'm going to like practice and going to, so it's just electric guitar with a, with an orchestra. Yeah. Um, wow. For Is two it Covet songs? Is it your songs? No, I wrote three movements, um, just with a string ensemble in mind. So I am playing like, I, I jokingly call it like a Midwest emo orchestra with like yeah, I wanted to do like three different moods. So the first one's kind of like ambient, post-rocky, and the middle one's like more traditional, like Midwesty sounding stuff. And then the last one's just kind of heavy, like almost like whoa. Yeah, I, it's That's gonna be so fun. Not damn impressive. <laughs> Thanks. Holy shit! I got to I combine. Wish I could see that. If you want to fly to New York, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, well, I, <laughs> I think it'll be on YouTube at least. So yeah, <laughs> pressure That's also, on. That's the bless. Yeah, the blessing and the curse of YouTube. <laughs> You know, yeah, totally. I think I fucked up that part. Then you go to YouTube oh at that night, and you're like, "Yep, I fucked that part up." Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if you you notice this phenomenon, but the, I feel like without fail, every single time someone takes a video, it's always the part that I like fucked up really bad. Like always, it's always, <laughs> always, and it's the thing that you know you fucked up, and you kind of forgot about it, and then. You're like, oh God, I did. Yeah, I don't watch any YouTube performance because I'm just like, it's gonna bum me out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good policy. That's a good policy. Yeah. Man, talking to you, I just realized I was as self-aware and focused as you are ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> like everything you're saying, like even that, I'm like, man, that's poignant. That's totally true. <laughs> um, anyway, Th- this yeah. has been a blast and it's been yeah. really cool even learning about you and your background too. So thank oh, you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, well, I will talk to you soon and everybody go check out Yvette Young with Solo uh, or with uh, her band cover. Thank you. Talk to you soon, Yvette. Take care. Bye. I mean, DC. We just sort of started talking about a lot of uh, a lot of things, you know, a lot of other things, a lot of things that we haven't really talked about much. But uh, I love it when conversations go that way. I love it when you meet somebody 
and you have a lot to say to each other. You sort of have a, a good, fulfilling, rewarding conversation with a complete stranger. And I think it's because of the common bond of having suffered the same sort of trials and tribulations of a working musician, as we talked about, as I talked to about with everybody on this podcast. But I feel like I made a new friend. And like I said, what a just amazing guitar player that is. Well, anyway, I would be remiss not to thank the lovely, wonderful folks over at Jim Dunlop and MXR Pedals. Check out what they're doing at jimdunlop.com. And also remiss not to leave you with some of Yvette's astounding guitar playing. Again, I didn't talk to her much about her wonderful technique, her two-handed tapping technique, her strumming technique, maybe the lack of pick, uh, she, her capo use. So uh, this is a song called Bronco off the Catharsis record that came out just recently from Covet, her band Covet, wonderful band. Catharsis record, the song is called Bronco. So check this out and check out Yvette's wonderful guitar playing and other Covet records. And also what she said right here, what she'll be doing with her solo work and orchestral work. And man, she just got a whole lot going on. Thank you again for listening to the anti-heroes with me and it really really means a whole lot and i'm really excited about things we have coming up so stay tuned i'll talk to you soon <laughs> <laughs>